Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Into the Borough podcast here on the Borough Reviews Network. My name is Jared, and today it is just me again flying solo. You can blame Linda's job. (laughs) We all have day jobs, and sometimes they get in the way of what we truly want to do. But let me give you a quick preview of what we're going to talk about on today's episode. It's going to be a quick episode, but there is a ton of news, and at that, a ton of interesting news, surprisingly. So up later, we are going to discuss the Halloween Kills controversy coming out of the Venice Film Festival, kind of how critics and you know just general audiences might feel about this movie. And then we're also going to talk about the move that Halloween Kills is also going to do a day and date release on Peacock and in theaters at the same time. 24, the popular action show starring Kiefer Sutherland on Fox, may just get a revival, and we're going to break that down Also, later in the show, Marvel's Eternals is going reportedly theatrical only after Shang-Chi's box office performance. And finally, what is Paramount doing scaling back on blockbusters? We're going to talk all that in a little bit, but first, let's get into the news bit. Today is a great day to start your own podcast. Whether you're looking for a new marketing channel, have a message you want to share with the world, or just think it would be fun to have your own talk show, Podcasting is an easy, inexpensive, and fun way to expand your reach online, and Buzzsprout is hands down the easiest and best way to launch, promote, and track your podcast. Your show can be online and listed in all the major podcast directories like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and more within minutes of finishing your first recording. Join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get their message out to the world. We use Buzzsprout and can attest that it is a cakewalk compared to some of the other hosting platforms that we've used. So what are you waiting for? Grab some gear that you already have, and then find a quiet place to record and talk about all your favorite things. Following the link in the show notes, let's Buzzsprout know that we sent you, gets you a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan, and helps support our show. We can't wait to hear your passion. And now for your last week's news update. John Squires, a bloody disgusting, writes, First Halloween Kills reaction praised the film's brutality and shocking kill scenes. The first public screening of David Gordon Green's Halloween Kills took place at the Venice Film Festival, and reactions and reviews had begun to make their way online. Initially, it seemed like Halloween Kills was getting top praise for being a darker, meaner, and more disturbing entry in the franchise, as per Collider's review, but then there are other reviewers that are, well, not so kind. Writing for The Hollywood Reporter, David Rooney notes that the film, quote, amps up the violence and gore at the expense of actual scares or even a modicum of suspense. IndieWire's review from Ben Kroll gives the film a C+, saying that Halloween Kills has, quote, little more to offer than a jacked-up body count on a bed of fan service. We also learned this past week that Halloween Kills is set to debut day and date in theaters and on Peacock. As per an article from The Hollywood Reporter, Halloween Kills will premiere day and date in theaters and on Peacock on October 15th, Universal disclosed this past week. Universal previously released the animated kids' movie The Boss Baby Family Business Day and Date on Peacock, which runs at $4.99 or $9.99 per month. 
Still, the Boss Baby sequel was able to pull in a whopping $57 million at the domestic box office. Earlier this summer, Universal announced that beginning in 2022, all movies from the studio will hit Peacock no later than four months after they open in theaters. The news came after the various announcements from other studios, specifically Warner Brothers, Disney, and Paramount, that outlined plans for major theatrical titles releases onto sister streaming services within a 45-day theatrical window. Peter White of Deadline writes, 24. Active creative discussions underway to bring iconic drama series on Fox. Jack Bauer could very well return to Fox. There are currently, quote, active creative discussions about bringing back classic Kiefer Sutherland-fronted terrorism drama series 24 with an entirely new take. Fox Entertainment president Michael Thorne told Deadline that there is, quote, potential that the show will return in some form. Jordan Rose of Complex writes, Marvel's Eternals reportedly keeping theaters-only release after box office performance of Shang-Chi. Disney has announced that all of its upcoming 2021 films will head to theaters before they arrive to streaming. Encanto will receive an exclusive theatrical window that will last for only 30 days, Deadline has reported. Movies that will be getting their 45-day exclusive theatrical window include The Last Duel, which releases on October 15th, Ron's Gone Wrong on October 22nd, The Eternals on November 5th, West Side Story on December 10th, and The King's Man on December 22nd. Finally, Ben Pearson of Slashfilm writes, Paramount is scaling back on blockbusters to focus on streaming. Paramount has a new chief executive officer, one that appears to be taking the 100-plus-years-old studio in a new and depressing direction. Jim Giannopoulos, who has run the famed film studio since 2017, is leaving the company. Brian Robbins, who has been running Nickelodeon since 2018, will be stepping in to replace him as Paramount's CEO while continuing to oversee Nickelodeon. This type of corporate reshuffling happens all the time and typically would be too boring for us to care much about, but what makes this interesting is an assertion that was buried in the Hollywood Reporter's article about the new boss, because Robbins has not dealt with A-list movie stars like Tom Cruise and John Krasinski. Insiders believe, quote, Paramount will be scaling back on its theatrical tentpole productions to focus on titles that will service Paramount+. Plus. So get ready for fewer impressive-looking blockbuster-type films and prepare instead for an onslaught of streaming content. Now, to be clear, Paramount isn't getting out of the theatrical business altogether, but it sounds like it will be significantly scaling back on the types of mega-sized movies that earn serious cash at the global box office and help finance the types of smaller-scale projects that pop up throughout the year. And that concludes your last week's news update. If you would like to support The Borough Reviews or the Into the Borough podcast, please consider joining our Patreon campaign. Our Patreon offers a few distinct memberships. Candyman, a $1 a month tier to show your general support for what we do. It follows a $2 a month tier that will grant you early access to our videos before they release on YouTube. Hereditary, a $5 a month tier 
with exclusive podcast discussions and member-only polls so you control what content we focus on each month. And finally, Trick or Treat, a $10 a month tier where you'll get exclusive videos, behind-the-scene content, and all of the other perks combined. And who knows, there may be a super secret tier waiting to be discovered. During these times, it is crucial for us to remain stable, and with your help, we can get there. Head over to patreon.com slash Reviews to sign up. The Borough Reviews, your movie refuge. All right, let's talk about it. Halloween Kills. What divisive reactions are coming out of the Venice Film Festival? I am honestly quite shocked at this because it seemed up until very recently that David Gordon Green and the whole team behind the new rebooted Halloween franchise really understood what viewers wanted. But after seeing some of the reviews, I'm not quite sure that that's entirely true. What makes it even more, I think, intriguing is the fact that it is almost 50-50 split right down the middle. Um, So Halloween Kills on Rotten Tomatoes currently, I'm looking it up because I want you to understand just how badly this got flubbed if it did get flubbed. I haven't personally seen the movie, so I can't actually say it was flubbed. But right now, with 16 reviews, it is sitting at a 56% on the tomato meter. And, you know, I mean, it's just basically divided critics all around. Slash Film gives it, you know, a fresh score. But then IndieWire turns around and gives it a rotten score, along with the Daily Telegraph and the Hollywood Reporter. Um, There are just so many different varying opinions on this. And I think it's all going to come down to how you feel about it going in. So we want to know here on the Into the Burrow podcast what you thought of Halloween Kills when it releases in about a month here. Are you going to watch it on Peacock? Because remember, it was also just announced by Peacock that it would be doing a day and date theatrical release both on Peacock and in cinemas at the same time. Will you be watching Halloween Kills on the big screen or are you going to be a little more COVID friendly and stay at home and watch it with your closest pals? Feel free to let us know uh, what you're going to do with that. But I just found it super interesting because um, I haven't, I don't remember the last time I was so excited for a movie and then seeing the reviews, uh, you know, it, it it didn't tamper with my excitement at all, but it definitely made me take a step back and maybe think about what I'm kind of expecting from this movie. Um, didn't change my opinion or my hype level on it. I'm still probably the most hyped about this movie that I am for anything else this year, really, except maybe Dune. Um, but you know, things like this, when they happen, you've got to sit back and wonder, you know, kind of what's going on with the movie, A, but also B, um, why aren't people responding it to it the way that they did with Halloween 2018, which was overwhelmingly positive. So I want to know what you think. I want to know what Linda thinks as well. Um, so I'm kind of depressed that she's not on this episode just because there's so much juicy tidbits with the Halloween Kills news that I just wanted to dive headfirst into all of it. Um, but let's talk about 24. Okay, so 24 is a show that I watched with uh, my mom. It was a show that we basically binged together. The you know first season's finale was just so gut wrenching and so shocking that I couldn't help myself but watch you know the the subsequent seasons 
And um, it's just a really entertaining show. And obviously, Kiefer Sutherland is amazing. And um, I truly do think that if they were to reboot it, it's going to gain some viewership. You know, they tried to do kind of a smaller reboot with a new character. It didn't go over so well. But, you know, if we do see the return of Sutherland in the role of Jack Bauer, I think there's going to be a lot of people who are excited and are going to get that nostalgia trip because I know that I will. Uh, Marvel's Eternals. Let's talk about it. So Shang-Chi smashes Labor Day box office records, um, not just in pandemic era, but of all time with a $90 million opening. Now, let me tell you, being in the exhibition industry, we were... we got killed. <laughs> Let me just put it kindly. We got just slaughtered. Um, and that was a good thing. You know, it was good to see business booming. It was it was good to, to have that kind of interaction and to see people so excited about a movie. Um, there are a lot of people that are coming out of the theater, you know, talking about how it's one of the greatest Marvel films. I've heard that several times. Um, it's kind of just one of those phenomenons that like, I'm never going to forget when Shang-Chi released, um, much like Black Panther, much like Halloween. Um, you know, there are just certain films that just bring bring it all to the table, and I think this was one of them. But I think this made Disney sit back and realize that, hey, maybe there there is a sign that we should not do day-and-date releases because Black Widow, you know, did really well with the premiere access. But look at what it can do at the box office, if you just give it the chance to do well and um, you really market it, you really push it. Uh, It also helps that this is a Marvel movie that is in an entirely different direction than what we've seen before. It's something new. It's something fresh. Um, For instance, you know, this is one of probably my favorite Marvel quote unquote unquote, uh, origin stories, because while we don't know Shang, we do know that, um, you know, in the first act, he's really comfortable with himself and he knows who he is. And that's already established. So there's no self-discovery there. So we just kind of get this fresh take on a superhero that um, is already kind of established in his own personal life. Um, you know, he's not trying to uh, kind of figure out who he is or, or or whatnot. And there's a little bit of that at the end there. But for the most part, like he knows exactly who he is. And it's one of the best parts of the film, in my opinion. And so I'm hoping that, you know, the Eternals kind of takes that hint. Um, I'm sure, you know, with uh, Chloe Zhao and um, every, everyone behind the team at Eternals, they kind of had to understand that you have to take Marvel in a different direction if you want it to be successful. And so I think that they are taking that direction. You know, a lot of it was shot on location, not using green screen. And um, that's all the director there and major props to her and the cast and crew for what looks to be an amazing movie. I haven't seen it yet, but I am really excited for it. It's probably my most anticipated Marvel movie in quite some time. It's even I'm more (laughs) I'm more excited about Eternals than I am um, No Way Home. Sorry. I know that's going to upset a lot of people, but um, I'm ready for something new in the MCU. And if we got what we did with Shang-Chi, it's going to be great. But um, yeah, I think they looked at Shang-Chi's box office and determined that maybe they would try to put Marvel's, you know, solely in theaters. And that's probably a smart move for Eternals, just because it's an entirely new cast of characters. Uh, It looks like it's in the MCU, but it, it kind of looks like it's on the outside as well. And, um, so who knows if they had 
done day and date if it would have done very well at all. So I'm glad that they're at least putting faith in it to do well. Finally, let's talk about Paramount. So <laughs> they have a new CEO, Brian Robbins, who apparently, you know, comes from like a Nickelodeon background and wants to really focus and amplify Paramount's streaming content, which I totally get because this day and age, you're really competing with Hulu, you're really competing with Netflix, even Amazon Prime and Apple TV, right? Like you're competing with all these different major streaming conglomerates and it's really difficult. So you do have to kind of wedge yourself in the market if you want a little bit of that money um, that obviously people are willing to dish out right now. So I totally get it. But scaling back your big blockbusters, I mean, this is a studio we're talking about. We're talking about, you know, Scream is coming out in January of 2022. We're talking Mission Impossible, and we're talking Top Gun, and we're talking all these different movies with huge amounts of money being backed by them, and um, and you know, huge amounts of money flowing through the box office too. Keep in mind, I mean, Mission Impossible is a really successful franchise, and um, you know, there's just a lot of money involved here, and I worry if they're scaling it back just for the sake of amplifying their streaming content, if they're scaling it back to really focus on giving us quality over quantity, that's one thing. And I can completely understand that. But shifting your whole entire priorities, um, this is the type of move that will kill theaters. This is the type of move that, and I'm not being hyperbolic here, it will destroy theaters if, if you know, not if just a Paramount does it. If Paramount does it, that's one thing. I'm sure that the that the exhibition industry can survive one major studio going in this direction. But could you imagine a world in which all of the major studios started to really just cut back on what they were doing theatrical and really focus on streaming? I think it would be detrimental and I I think it would be it would definitely <laughs> it would definitely amplify the decline of exhibition. And you know, we've had a lot of questions over the past year or so about how exhibitionists um, can survive, how theater owners can survive, and how chains are going to be able to survive COVID. And we've fortunately seen that it is very possible to survive something of that magnitude. But this is an entirely different story. Because if the studios aren't making the content for the theater owners, for the exhibitionists, then we have a situation in which nothing's getting released in theaters. And then, you know, I don't know, maybe we would then see like, you know, with the, with the decrees, you know, slash down, maybe we'd, we would see uh, like, I don't know, AMC producing their own original movies or something. I don't know. So ridiculous. Um, but that's kind of where my mind goes with all of this. So I really hope that we kind of shy away from doing anything as major as that, um, because I really do think it would hurt the industry as a whole. But with all that down and out of the way, why don't we talk box office? So we're going to talk Shang-Chi's second week, and we're going to also discuss why Malignant misfired at the box office. So stay tuned, and we'll be right back. I'm sure you know by now, but we have our own YouTube channel. We upload video reviews of the latest television shows or movies and stream gaming content occasionally. We have a goal to reach 100 subscribers by the end of the year. As of now, we are about five subscribers away from reaching that goal, and it would mean everything to the team to be able to accomplish this. Simply search the Burr Reviews in YouTube search bar to find us. Make sure to not only subscribe if you like the content, 
but to give the videos a thumbs up and ring the bell to make sure you receive notifications when we upload or go live. The Borough Reviews, your movie refuge. So I'm reading an article from uh, Variety by Rebecca Rubin, um, which is titled Box Office, Shang-Chi Triumphs Again in Second Weekend, Malignant Misfires. Um, So usually when there is a Marvel movie or any movie, really, there's usually a huge dip between the first and second week. Usually it hovers anywhere from like late 50 percent or, you know, high 50s to low 60s. Um, usually there's, you know, between a 55 and 65% drop at the box office. Well, Shang-Chi ruled the box office again, collecting another $35.8 million in its second weekend, um, which means it fell 53% from its debut, which is a decline on par with um, other Marvel installments like Black Widow, um, or not Black Widow, because Black Widow plummeted nearly 70%, but like Black Panther, um, some of those other big Marvel tentpoles that kind of were able to recover m- even more money in its second weekend um, than anyone thought was possible. And so that just shows that it's obviously doing really well among audience pers- you know, opinions. It's doing well among critics. Obviously, if you go look at the Rotten Tomatoes score, it's pretty high. So this is a movie that clearly has legs. And um more power to them. I hope they keep going. They're obviously going to keep making money for a few weeks. Um, nothing big is really releasing in the next couple of weeks. I mean, you have Dear Evan Hansen next week, uh, but that's about it until Venom on the 1st. So this really has a chance to kind of scrape up some more cash at the box office. But one of perhaps the biggest disappointments that we've seen in quite some time, um, Malignant debuted in uh, third place, third um, with a, with a mis, I mean, truly abysmal 5.57 million from over, um, 3000 theaters. So it was closer to 3,500 theaters. Um, its production budget was 40 million, uh, which means that this movie tanked the twist ending, um, kind of threw a lot of people off. I noticed, you know, I have some friends who went to see it and and they were like, I'm surprised you didn't warn me about that before I went in. It has a C on cinema score, which doesn't bode well for its future commercial prospects um, because it's not as audience friendly as a lot of people would like it to be. But let me tell you, James Wan is James Wan here and it is bloody. It is not necessarily scary. I think the first act, there are some moments in there that are really frightening, but this is a movie that basically morphs uh, each act. So it's a different movie, you know, from its first act and into its second act. Um, and then it kind of switches again when you get into the third act climax and uh, it's bonkers, dude. Let me tell you, if you want to go into a movie and just be surprised at what you're seeing, um, there are so many like what the fuck moments throughout this movie and I can't even begin to describe it. The score is so enthralling for me because it's very electronic heavy but it's very um sinister at the same time and it's kind of a little campy uh the whole movie is like not taking itself seriously and i absolutely love it about malignant um but i have to say that because of the c cinema score meaning audiences really didn't 
like it very much. It didn't land with a lot of people. Um, it's currently at 75% on Rotten Tomatoes, but even that isn't high enough to really persuade people to go out to a movie like this that is more niche. This is basically for horror fans, for James Wan fans, um, and more obscure horror, that is. It's not your general audience friendly insidious or the conjuring which you know Juan has also been behind and um it's definitely one of his like more i don't want to say i don't want to say it's not not like popular or you know not well made because it is super well made like um there are things in this movie that i really do like and i think are different and unique for the time in which he's releasing it um it's a callback to some earlier horror movies you know in the 80s and 90s kind of that campy nature um kind of at every twist and turn just how the story is evolving is super intriguing and it kind of grabs your attention and holds it for the whole time but this isn't a palatable film for general audiences. And I think that that really shows in its box office performance, not to mention, I don't think that they did a very good job marketing this. I I love the marketing because it was kind of a little misleading on what malignant was actually about. But at the same time, they did that with the cabin in the woods. And I remember how much I love cabin in the woods. I love going into a movie and not entirely expecting everything that happens because typically, you know, when studios release trailers, you can get a feel, an instant, kind of this instant epiphany of what the movie is going to be. And with Malignant, I didn't know where it was going and it just kept twisting and turning. Same thing with The Cabin in the Woods. And those are some of my favorite horror films. Now, I will say Malignant is definitely top tier for this year for me. Um but just temper your expectations going in. It's not like anything else that's out right now. It um, it's it's kind of bold. It's it's a very ballsy movie. But um, I do recommend it, even though it is not doing very well in the box office performance. Uh, we were basically way 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 wrong last week when we were giving you our box office predictions. Um, I said it would end up anywhere from eighteen to twenty five million. Uh, Linda said it would end up around fifty million. Neither of us were right. Um, it got five million, which is very depressing, especially for a director that I love so much, like James Wan. I would have loved to see him have some level of success, but in a weird way, it is kind of an instant classic. And um, so, while it didn't make the money that it probably should have um, or wanted to, I think that this is going to be a movie that lives on for years and years to come. So, if you want to check out a wild, wonky somewhat horror movie. Um, and I say somewhat because really the first act is, I mean, it's definitely a horror movie, right? But the first act is more of your typical genre fare um, from what you would expect from Juan with The Conjuring and Insidious. And then it just turns into just completely batshit insane in the second and third act. So um, if that sounds like up your alley, go check it out. I, I would highly recommend it. Finally, I'm sure you're all wondering what's new to streaming. Well, as I previously mentioned, Malignant is from Warner Brothers, meaning it is on HBO Max, so you can watch it on HBO Max. Um, you can also go check it out in theaters if you feel comfortable with it. But Juan warned in advance that his latest is also his most violent, which could turn some people off. But it's not even that it's violent, it's just insane. Um, so you're going to have to go check it out. Uh, Scenes from a Marriage is also streaming on HBO Max. 
Um, Oscar Isaac and Jessica Chastain star in this heartstring um, tugging remake of Igmar Bergman's classic miniseries. The consensus seems to be that the American reboot doesn't stray far enough from the original, besides a swap in gender roles to justify its existence, but in the era of constant content, the performances will keep people tuned in. And then finally, you also have Why the Last Man. Based on the beloved graphic novel and in development for more than a decade, the series transports us to a post-apocalyptic future in which a plague wiped out everyone with a Y chromosome. The Hollywood Reporter complains that not everything from the comic made it onto the screen in Eliza Clark's adaptation. Through six episodes sent to critics, a lot of the fun has gone missing in the TV show, writes Daniel Feinberg. The series is often provocative, generally compelling, and almost never quite as entertaining as it should be. And there you have it, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in to another Newsflash episode. I am working on getting some other guest hosts so that when Linda isn't available, it isn't just me talking to you because I know it's boring and blah, blah, blah. But I really do appreciate you taking the time to listen to this podcast. Make sure to go subscribe and and like and share this podcast on all the major podcast directories and platforms wherever you get your podcast. Make sure to head over to patreon.com to check out our tiers. We give exclusive perks to people that are um, subscribed through Patreon. We don't wall off a whole lot of content, but you do get a video version of the podcast when it's me and another host. You also get exclusive polls and discussions and exclusive videos from time to time. And you get a separate exclusive uh, bi-monthly podcast that me and Ren do. And um, it's quite funny. This last time we were reviewing The Kissing Booth 3 with British accents. So if that sounds like your gig, go check it out. Um, but thank you so much for, for listening. And I hope that you stay tuned for next week. Uh, hopefully there is just as much content to cover next week with someone who maybe has varying opinion other than just me. So stay tuned for next week, and we will see you in the next episode. Thank you so much, everyone. Have a good week, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.